but the way you pick it is your sister comes in and offers you uh, cocaine on her compact mirror <laughs> and it's you picking your your character is reflected in the mirror in the compact yeah. mirror <laughs> underneath some lines of coke basically yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> Episode 510, it's a podcast with cold leftovers. I'm Mike. And I'm Josh. Welcome back, Josh. Yeah, th- th- this, this, uh, this is earlier than I would normally be back. <laughs> yeah, three weeks. We had an opening here recording on Christmas Eve and uh, Christmas Eve and <laughs> and uh, Josh stepped in and uh, otherwise this was going to be the Frankenburger that I used uh, two weeks ago <laughs> because reasons. Thank you, Josh. Eh, not a problem as yeah, you had said uh, you might ha- end up having to do multiple Frankenburgers and I was like depending on how my family plans for the holidays pan out, like I might be able to do it. <laughs> and here you are. Yay. Yeah. Yep. Family plans ended up being for, <laughs> uh, for Christmas day proper. Yep. Same here. So, such as they are. It's just us here at home. Me and Allison and the dog. Yeah. For, for me, it's my local family, which is basically my mom, my sister, her husband and her kids. And then my other sister who lives in near Tampa did make the drive up as well. Nice. Allison has local family here, but none, none of us, uh, we, we enjoy seeing each other, but we don't need to see each other on, on, on the holidays. Gotcha. <laughs> so we don't, <laughs> it's like, eh, whatever. So, uh, full day tomorrow then for you? For for the most part, yeah. Gonna go over, check on my friends' cats, and then head up to the um the north side of town, uh, where where most of the re- you know where the rest of the local family lives. I'm the only South Sider. Yeah. My side of town. Yep, where I grew <laughs> up. Not too far from here, huh? Yeah, I mean, practically right down the road from where you are, it couldn't be more than about like three, three or four miles, I think. Well, we won't get any more specific than that. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Internet. (laughs) It's uh, sure is Christmassy outside. Yeah, single digits down here this morning. Yeah, same here. It was seven when I woke up. Degrees Fahrenheit. So that's like negative something Celsius, right? Yeah. When I was uh, driving over to my friend's place to check on her cats, I I had stopped for gas. And it, it's just that kind of weather where the second I stepped out of my car, you like, regretted it. Ears were going numb. <laughs> hands were going numb. You couldn't talk properly because your face was freezing. 
on, on the plus side, it was an excuse to to get uh, breakfast of gas station breakfast of Yum. champions, uh, taquito, uh, chicken taquitos, and coffee from Quick Trip. QT, nice. Yeah, I uh, they have all those uh, delicious looking uh, photos of of their food. They are posted above the the gas pumps, and I'm I'm frequently tempted, but I know that it doesn't look like that uh, when you actually get it. The, the, the photo <laughs> yeah i i've never actually done any of their like made to order stuff i just i normally like i love the you know the roller grill items like the various kinds of taquitos so much even though they have so much sodium which i need to not be doing a lot at my age but yeah same here but once in a great while it is wonderful i see you drinking the <laughs> qt coffee there <laughs> Oh, yeah, we could we could have a white Christmas, but we don't. Unfortunately, they kept they kept waffling on that one. Look, I was watching the weather forecast in advance of the the cold front that came through behind the rain. And uh, it said, you know, oh, it's just going to rain and then get cold. And then it said, oh, it's going to rain and then snow and then get cold. And then it said, nope, it's just going to rain again and then get cold. And then it said, no, it's going to rain and then it's going to snow and then it's going to get cold. And then it ended up just raining and getting cold. Wah, wah. Yeah, it's because, yeah, from the rain before the temperature really dipped, I remember when I was going out the next morning, uh, there's uh, one of the sewer drains near the entrance to my neighborhood. They had just rebuilt it. It's kind of always been a problem, but like the water flowing towards it from the rain had all frozen. (laughs) So there was a sheet of ice (laughs) over the entrance into the neighborhood. Oh, no. There wasn't much much ice anywhere else, though, really. Like, it dried up magically. I was kind of, like, thinking, oh, it's just going to be sheets of ice everywhere. Because they were saying the rain was, was going to rain for a couple hours and then stop and then immediately go below freezing. And I, don't, I guess that's not what happened. Yeah, here, like, it was basically the ice I saw was all either it was a shady spot mm-hmm. or it was you know, like where a chunk had been taken out of the road, so it kind of pooled yep. in there. Yeah. Or your, the entrance to your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's a pretty heavily shaded spot. More this, uh, That and, like, who knows? Like I said, they just rebuilt that drain because the, the cover had collapsed, like, last year. Uh, so who knows? It, maybe there's lingering issues there. I don't know. Let's hope the freeze thaw doesn't bring those issues back they have to rebuild it again oh boy should we do news is it time for news sure hey so the last time you were here you told us all about uh god of war ragnarok is that right yep yeah and then right after that i saw this god of war tv series officially ordered by prime did you know that they were doing this I, I I knew, um, I can't remember who it was, someone involved with the series had expressed interest in, in maybe getting it adapted at some point. I did not realize it was this imminent. Yep. It says it will directly adapt the 2018 game. So not the yeah, one we spe- talked about. <laughs> speci- yeah, specifically the Norse saga. Has like I don't even know how they begin to approach the original, like, 
Greece saga has it's it's basically just him running around killing gods like it, it it would be an action series versus any kind of like serious drama which is still going to be pretty actiony as it is but yeah it would be nothing but if it were the Greece saga yeah i know i've i've seen like a lot of the fans just straight up would love for christopher judge uh who is the voice of uh, kratos and the norse saga to play him for the live action because you know he has the voice he has like in real life he has the build as part of the reason he was cast was for the motion capture stuff like a lot of people just like want to are just saying like let him do it <laughs> if he wants to obviously yeah well, God of War is not the, the only property being milked. The Home from a Christmas Story is up for sale. It has been, but not just to anybody, according to the owner. So, yeah, this guy timed this perfectly. New movie comes out. Which which I've heard is surprisingly good. It I is. need to watch it. You should. Do you have the HBO Max? I, I do, in fact. I've never paid for it, but I get it as a benefit <laughs> oh, of my okay. AT&T plan at yeah, this point. Yeah, you got lucky. Luckily, you got AT&T back when that plan was active. It is no longer active for new AT&T subscribers. Bastards. Well, I was about to say, back when AT&T partially owned uh, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's left. it's left over from that deal. I was I was always thinking like, well, what, when we get fight when we finally get fiber any day now with AT&T, we can get we'll get HBO Max for free and we don't have to pay for it anymore. And then uh, they, they took so long installing the fiber that the, that whole deal expired by the time we actually signed up. So I mean, for me, it was never a benefit of my home Internet. It was oddly enough a benefit of my cell plan. Yeah, but they had they had both of those things going on. Oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because before I switched to the fiber, my cell or my home internet plan was so old. I think it predated that. Yeah, so that that's that was the case with our AT and T wireless plan. Oh, let's see. Brian Jones is the guy who owns the Christmas Story house and museum and surrounding properties. He started the business. Oh, okay. He started a, a leg lamp business in two thousand three he made the reproductions of the leg lamp i i almost bought one of those so many times (laughs) i know (laughs) i have i have enough crap i actually do have a leg lamp um somebody i got it as a gift from somebody or somewhere but it's like a night light that plugs into the into an outlet so it's but it's kind of big for a night light like it's maybe six inches tall if i remember so it's kind of ungainly it basically takes up the entire plug like you can't get anything else in there. Right. But you want it to it's like, well, you know, you want to show it off. You want to have it plugged in like up where people can see it. You don't want it down on the floor. And it's like, I don't. And so that's why I've never displayed it plugged in anywhere, because it's like it would just get kicked or run into or smashed which I suppose would be, you know, film accurate. But uh, <laughs> I don't want that to happen if it's down on the floor. And then where where are your uh, your plugs that are up by eye level in the kitchen and the bathroom? And like, uh, uh, we don't need that in the kitchen. Or, or yeah, the it, it's not eye level, but I have like on my kitchen island, I have like a waste level yeah, outlet. It would right. probably work for. Maybe if it if it could clear the overhang of the countertop above it. But yeah, there's no it's it's like it's kind of a stupid thing to make 
into a nightlight, right? For that exact reason. Like, where are you going to put it? I mean, I think you could have stopped at it's a stupid thing. Yeah. Like, the, the whole leg lamp <laughs> thing was meant to be ridiculous. Yes, but for fans of the show who would like to have one, I, I probably couldn't get away with uh, buying the full-sized version. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he did that in 2003. And then, when did he buy? Oh, 2004. Yeah, with the money that he made from selling <laughs> leg lamps for one year or one Christmas, he bought the house for $100,000. He put a quarter of a million into it in renovations and opened it for business in 2006 later taking on neighboring properties to expand the venue with a gift shop, a museum, and parking lots. He even bought adjacent land to prevent the construction of new buildings next to the house. Says you have this nice 1940s look, and then right next door, boom, condos or townhomes? That doesn't fit. The campus is seven different properties. The price tag is being kept hush-hush. He is carefully screening individuals as qualified buyers before assigning them to confidentiality agreements. Even so, he was quick to shoot down the uh, author of this article's impromptu offer of $4 million. Quote, not even close. <laughs> you don't even have the money to operate this place annually. Go fish. <laughs> you must be raking in tons of dough. And probably just doesn't want to accidentally sell it to someone who's just going to tear everything down well, and redevelop it. That's exactly... That's exactly it. He says he hopes to pass the torch to a buyer who will preserve the business. <laughs> Any new owner might face challenges making changes, even if they wanted to, as the city of Cleveland has named the Christmas Story home a historic landmark after Jones petitioned for the designation. Quote, you can't even change the paint scheme. You can't add anything to the porches. You can't do anything without the city's okay. Being such a valuable asset to the city, they're not going to allow anybody else to do that. The search for a new owner is a very careful process for Jones in late November. Reports emerged, and I skipped skipped over this news item. I had it in my list, but ran out of time. That former child actor Yano Anaya, who plays Grover Dill in the original film, and the I Want My $2 Paperboy in Better Off Dead, fun fact, was on site asking for donations that would go toward purchasing the house. Video was captured of Jones confronting Anaya, shouting at him to leave the business. He says, I didn't want him, I didn't want uh, to see the fans getting defrauded out of money. Knowing what the place is going for, there was no way that those funds were actually going to be used to purchase the house. I just couldn't stand to see that happening to fans out there, but I lost my temper. I could have handled it better. Beyond the altercation, Jones shares that he's had largely positive interactions with the talent behind A Christmas Story. Uh, In the years following his purchase, Jones met with late director Bob Clark who was, quote, tickled pink by his business endeavor. He has also had a level of involvement with the 2012 follow-up film A Christmas Story 2, which no one has seen, though he admits everyone agrees that was a pretty atrocious movie. (laughs) I should actually watch those. There's two of them. There's, like, there's Christmas Story 2, which might have somebody in it is the same. I think it might be the teacher is the same actress, but that's it, and everybody else is different. And then there's like a summer story, which is the same characters, but it's something, some story that happens on 4th of July or something like that. I did not know those two movies existed. Yeah. (laughs) I think you can watch A Christmas Story 2 on HBO Max, speaking of. I should watch that. I should 
I, I, sh- I should take the time to watch that. I probably won't, but I should. <laughs> For Christmas Story Christmas, which is the new one, the production team only visited the Cleveland site to take reference notes. Jones says they actually built the neighbor, rebuilt the neighborhood on a back lot set in Bulgaria, which we knew. All they wanted to do was scan the neighborhood and house inside and out, which by that, I assume he means LIDAR scanning, which is pretty cool technology. We use that in, in the biz for existing structures. So that would explain how they were able to do that, because if you've seen the new movie, it's pretty impressive. It looks exactly like the street from the, you know, the real place from the original movie but of course he this guy's torn down like the house next not the bumpus house but the other house on the other side that's gone presumably for a parking lot or something anyway speaking of movie houses for sale it's a theme the iconic oregon home from the goonies has been scooped off the market less than a week after listing the 2000 square foot property in the coastal city of astoria hit the market in late november for 1.65 million 2,000 square feet, but it's, it's Mikey Walsh's house, though the final sale price isn't yet known, so it may have gone up. There may have been a bidding war, they are leading us to believe. The individual who purchased it wishes to remain anonymous until the deal has completely closed, which likely won't happen until the end of January. Huh. Obviously not an all-cash offer. Yeah, I don't know if you saw there was kind of a mini uh I didn't know about it and I think it happened a while ago. There was kind of a mini Goonies reunion uh at some award show. It was the the actor that played Data uh who had gone away from acting for a while and came back for um everything everywhere all at once yes. was getting an award and he was presented it by a couple of his co-stars from Goonies. I think it was it was the actor that played Chunk, and I can't one other. I can't remember who offhand. Huh. Well, there's a there was a a picture floating around. And it's like a side by side or top and bottom shot of four of them, and it's uh it's it's Data, Chunk, uh, Mikey, and Mouth holding the uh the map in front of them with the musical notes on the back of it recreating the picture you know the the shot from the movie and and you know they're in, they're standing in the exact same order but they're all grown up that might not be the same thing though if you said there's only there were only three people yeah the the one i saw it was only the three of them and like i said it was some award show where where data's actor was getting recognized uh for his role in everything everywhere all at once have you seen that I have. I went to see it in uh, theaters. It's it's very, very good, very weird. I yes. liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We just watched it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I it was it's funny. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about that movie. We had just heard good things about it. So we decided we saw it was available on whatever streaming service and decided to watch it. And, you know, right away in the beginning, you meet the the main family of which uh, the, the actor who plays Data is the the, the, the husband and father and they're speaking in chinese with a little bit of english mixed in but mostly it's i don't know if it's mandarin or whatever but it's some chinese language and uh uh is it chinese or japanese wait what are they um he is 
uh i think he's actually vietnamese um and i'm like reading his wiki real quick apparently he's fluent in english cantonese vietnamese and mandarin okay so it could have been but i thought they were chinese in the movie in the movie they are um i i just know he specifically i i think he's descended from chinese but was born in vietnam huh. i can't remember the specifics and he's played you know whatever asian country character he's needed to <laughs> it's like wasn't data supposed to be japanese i can't remember it's been so long <laughs> i think i think he was i don't i don't know who sh- what short round was supposed to be in uh temple of doom but anyway so we're watching it having no idea who all we knew was michelle yo right from uh crouching tiger hidden dragon like that was the only that was the only name we knew of any of the actors actresses and so we're watching it and it's like the first two minutes or minute and a half of the movie and i'm like god that guy sounds like data (laughs) and allison was over there thinking god that guy looks like data (laughs) so we're both on our phones like 90 seconds into the movie and we're both like hey you know who (laughs) like it's data (laughs) it was the same thing for me watching it in the theater it was like the whole time is like i know this guy from something and it was like on the tip of my tongue the whole time uh and i can't remember if i looked it up or if i caught it in the credits finally or just mentally put it together but i was like oh oh i thought he was out of acting when did this happen yeah i just thought it was funny that i i i didn't recognize his face but allison did because she doesn't watch those movies like she's seen goonies once in her life and she's seen temple of doom once in her life it's like how how could you possibly recognize him in any way <laughs> you know but she recognized his face and i thought it was really weird that i recognized his voice because he's like 50 now and he his, was like, he was like if, if you he, know 11 or 12 in the you know when they filmed goonies his speech pattern is very distinct and that it must has be not it. changed at all yeah yeah the new buyer of the goonies house is certain of their first order of business work with some die hard goonies Fans to rebuild the contraption that opens the front gate. No one will be permitted inside, they added, until doing the truffle shuffle. Nice. Yeah, nobody's going to want to come over to your house, dude. <laughs> I have to do what? I mean, I'm an introvert. That sounds like a bonus to me. <laughs> uh, my torso looks like chunks now, so <laughs> does not sound fun for me. Okay, uh, follow-up news, speaking of movies and memorabilia if homes and houses can be considered memorabilia hey remember that auction we talked about with all those fun uh movie props last time oh well we have results the ferris bueller ferrari that was used in the crash scene the shell with no guts in it uh sold for three hundred and thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars if you would like to you know own it and and you missed out um, the owner, uh, you, you can has has set the thing here, so you can make make the uh, the new owner an offer of five hundred and six thousand dollars or or more to snag that away from him. The Herbie, remember we thought that it, it was like thirty or forty thousand dollars for the Herbie Volkswagen Beetle, and we thought that was that was actually kind of a reasonable amount of money to pay for it. 
The it open. went for considerably more than that, I assume. $212,500. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see. Captain America's round shield, the one everyone wants, 162500 Ferris Bueller's vest, that's like leopard print or something, 144000 Freddy Krueger's glove from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, 112500 the Willy Wonka golden ticket, 137000 Why is it always 500 Jules Winfield's briefcase from Pulp Fiction went for exactly $100,000. Let's see. The round Captain America shield, 162500 <laughs> The regular shield-shaped Captain America shield, only 75000 Back to the Future 2 hoverboard, 87000 Oh, here we go. The other thing that we thought was a good deal was the Egon Spengler jumpsuit from ghostbusters 2 which i think was fifteen thousand opening bid yeah that sounds right that went for a somewhat reasonable if you have the money and are into this kind of thing fifty five thousand. yeah that's i would have thought it might have ended up going for more what else did we look at lightsabers why am i not seeing any lightsabers oh here's ray's staff fifty thousand. that seems pretty reasonable yeah that yeah. quarter staff? There were some. Oh, here we go. Mace Windu's forty thousand. Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan lightsaber with the blade, the green, green screen, green blade, went for whoa twenty five thousand. That's it? Huh. Oh, also twenty five thousand, and I missed this the, the the first time. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown cactus shirt from Back to the Future Part Three, twenty five thousand. Freddy Krueger sweater, <laughs> you know, the green and red striped one <laughs> from Nightmare on Elm Street 5, 21,250. Where was that? There was some other Ghostbusters thing. It was like a cruddy looking foam trap that we talked about. I don't see that anywhere in here. Maybe it didn't sell because I'm only looking at the at this stuff that actually sold. <laughs> an Ewok arrow from return of the jedi four thousand two hundred and fifty dollars i mean i wouldn't have expected that to go for much but no. maybe a little more than that does that about do it for news uh kind of speaking of amazon pickups we now know what henry cavill's going to be doing now that he is uh no longer out as superman again again he was out before well has uh, yeah the, he Rock brought him back to appear in his Black Adam project, and I think people assumed it was going to become more than it was. Uh, but then when James Gunn started kind of setting his vision, it was like, no, that, that that's going to be the last appearance. Huh. But now uh, Amazon got the rights to do an adaptation of Warhammer 40K, and Henry Cavill, being a huge nerd, is um, they don't he's been attached to it and is also going to executive produce. Yeah, Wonder Woman's out too, right? Gal Gadot, is it Gadot or Godot? I think it's Godot. Really, I thought it was Gadot. I could have sworn I saw her on some Graham Norton talk show where he referred to her. He called like called her to her face, Gal Gadot, and she didn't correct him. Like, multiple times. Oh, yeah, because I've always heard it pronounced the other way. I'm just Googling it. It is just Godot. Oh, no, wait, no. 
It is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Okay, here's an article from 2018 saying, we've been pronouncing Gal Good whatever's name wrong all along. And then it says, in an interview with GQ, she herself tried to explain. <laughs> oh, no. I'm probably 60% of the time still Godot. It is not Godot, but it is also not quite Godot. Her confusing advice is that the T is pronounced as, quote, a lighter T, a softer T. So it's somewhere in between Godot and Godot. I, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's it's a sound and has, what is that, a Hebrew name? Yes. Because I know Russian, has I actually took a little bit of Russian, like has sounds that do not exist in English. Exactly. Really hard. Like I had a hard time. I could never get them quite right. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, there's probably there's a, there's a lot of like sounds in, in Hebrew, like that kind of stuff. Just like you said, sounds that we don't have in English. And that that must be it. The soft or light T. Still don't get it. The actress doesn't mind too much. She uh, says that she, quote, appreciates that everyone is trying their best. <laughs> that doesn't matter anymore. She's not Wonder Woman. We'll never see her again, right? All right. So, Josh, you've you've been continuing to play God of War Ragnarok, and you have new new stuff you want to talk about about that one, right? Uh no <laughs> not not quite. I had pretty much wrapped it up. Uh, I ended up not really. Uh, being able to handle those last two optional bosses, they were too they were too much for me. Um, oh yeah, there was extra stuff. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about those two bosses. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I figured you were joking, but it was kind of like, nah, I gave up on that. They they were too much for me. Like I probably could have, like, if I'd been willing to put in a lot of time, I might have been able to get it. But it's like, nah, I'd rather move on to something new. <laughs> so what have That's you been playing? I, I have moved on to Callisto Protocol, which is something I was I had been very much looking forward to as it's kind of a spiritual successor to a game I really like from 2008 called uh, Dead Space, uh, which was created by Glenn Schofield uh, when he was with a uh, developer called Visceral Games under the EA umbrella. Um, he, he created the first one, then he had kind of moved on to other fields, uh, you know, other, other pastures, the, they made two more. And unfortunately the last one kind of suffered from a lot of EA meddling, uh, did not do well. And then the studio got shut down. Uh, Glenn Schofield during this time, uh, had started a, uh, it's called Sledgehammer, uh, uh, yeah, Sledgehammer Studios, I think, uh, that got bought up by Activision, which unfortunately kind of ended up just being, uh, one of the two main developers on Call of Duty, uh, basically Infinity Ward, who created that franchise, would do, you know, one year's title, and then, you know, they would alternate with Sledgehammer, uh, you know, Sledgehammer would do the subsequent year, and they'd kind of alternate back and forth to keep those Call of Duty games coming out year after year. And uh, it was announced uh, a couple of years ago, like it hasn't been that long, two or three years ago, uh, Glenn Schofield announced he was starting something called Striking Distance Studios, 
uh, under the Crafton umbrella, which Crafton is the company that owns, among other things, the Player Unknown Battlegrounds uh, property, which um, is kind of the game that popularized the battle royale style of multiplayer gaming. Okay. Uh, and he was originally the concept, I think, was he was supposed to be developing like a single player narrative game that would be set in the PUBG universe somehow, though that got dropped fairly quickly. Um, and then it was announced that it was going to be Callisto Protocol. It was uh sl uh striking distance the new studio had a lot of personnel like ex visceral people ex sledgehammer people who had worked with glenn there uh and callisto protocol was very obviously kind of being set up to be a spiritual successor of dead space like the similarities were very apparent right away and like i was really excited his dead space uh which was considered kind of a little old school at the time, which is one of the reasons it, it's got a cult. It's one of those games. It didn't do fantastic at the time, but it's kind of gained a cult following over the years. But I personally was very excited for Callisto to be kind of more a Dead Space like experience, especially after the actual sequel to Dead Space that got made went kind of more of an actiony direction, kind of like aliens versus alien kind of thing. But so Callisto Protocol came out. Uh, I grabbed it right away. Did give it a chance to wait. I did wait for reviews. I've kind of been burned by jumping on something right at release. Kind of one too many times. <laughs> uh, and a lot of the reviews are negative. But a lot of the things they're they're complaining about, I was just reading them. And it's like, oh, it's it's the controls are kind of clunky, you know, the, it, it's kind of a short single player experience. Oh, you mean like the first dead space, the thing <laughs> I want it to be like. So, so it's just like a rotten tomatoes situation where the re the reviews are panning it, but the people who are actually playing it like it. I, it's hard to tell because there are some legitimate complaints, especially on uh, the PlayStation and PC versions that like, it just doesn't the performance on those systems is really bad uh i was playing it on xbox series x which on xbox in um a lot of games it's really common you can pick between a visual mode or a performance mode that will kind of emphasize the frame rate being good uh so xbox in performance mode it always ran fine for me and it is is it like cyberpunk 2077 bad though the uh on pc it might have been that bad playstation wow. it was not as my understanding wow okay so yeah i i get it i get the bad reviews then yeah well and some of the bad reviews like i said were complaining about stuff and it's like oh you mean like dead space the game it's a it's a spiritual successor right. of yeah those are um, bs yeah but so I did manage to finish it yesterday. Oh, in cool. Fact. Um, it, it's it wasn't because I think I told you in the email, like I'm I'm done with about like seven or eight out of 12 chapters. Apparently the thing I don't know where I read 12 chapters, but apparently that was incorrect. Um, it's it's not that many chapters. But but I finished it. 
I liked it. It it, it did kind of have its flaws. It, it, I don't know that it quite lives up to the Dead Space legacy, but but I enjoyed it. I thought they, you know, interesting main character. They actually managed to have a somewhat intriguing villain. Has the Dead Space games, the villain was more of a nebulous. It was, you know, these extraterrestrial things that were creating the problem, plus a a shadowy religious group that was manipulating the situation. In in the in Callisto Protocol, there's like an actual kind of face for the organization you're dealing with, which they still kind of do the Dead Space thing of like, you know, shadowy organization manipulating thing from the shadows, though it's implied that like the face of that group you see throughout the game is is acting faster than than the other people in the group would uh, would want him to. Uh, you overhear a few conversations to that effect, and if you find certain, it's a very, it's fairly linear, but there's, like, some of the chapters do have, like, areas for you to go off and explore and find, like, extra information to kind of, like, round out the story. One thing they did with the mechanics that I found kind of interesting is, so so Dead Space's whole thing was because the th the enemies you were fighting were, like, reanimated dead flesh is you know zombie games usually the idea is you go for headshots and that will take most things out the quickest destroy the brain yeah dead space's whole thing was like it was inanimate dead flesh or you know it was reanimated flesh being manipulated by something kind of outside the body so the idea was you couldn't stop them that way you were supposed to like sever the limbs until they couldn't move anymore okay and a lot of the weapons in dead space like a lot of its identity is the weapons are like repurposed engineering and mining tools um like the signature one is something called the plasma cutter which just shoots a beam that you can send out horizontally or vertically to cut through things and but like another signature element of it was uh, the character in Dead Space had this signature stomp that you could use to hit enemies when they were down or to, like, break open boxes that had goodies in them. Uh, in Callisto Protocol, they kind of implemented more of, like, a melee combat system. It has very early on, you have, I think it starts out as a pry bar and you upgrade to... It's, it's like, one of the... Has... Callisto Protocol set in a prison, and so you get one of the guards, like, riot control, like, sticks. It's like a big baton that, like, energizes to do extra damage. And that, so there's the whole melee system with that, and there's, like, a dodge mechanic where when an enemy's coming in for an attack, you hold one way or the other to try to dodge the attack, or you can hold down to block. Uh, and then counterattack, and even like the guns kind of become part of the melee combat system as you can try to shoot things from a distance. Or uh, when you're doing a melee combo, you'll get a window where you can do like a quick off the hip shot into the enemy, which it's a lot of fun and it creates for some interesting situations. As you know, 
it kind of trivializes singular enemies it once you get the dodge mechanic down but if you're being swarmed you're still taking hits uh because you can only kind of dodge one at a time okay and kind of the downside to that system is uh well, has boss fights are always kind of a tricky thing in horror games is how do you have like a video game boss without it really messing with the tone of, of you know, a horror game. And Callisto Protocol definitely suffers from that has, uh, except for the very last boss, you're, you're facing the bosses like one on one. And so as long as you can dodge well, the boss is never going to hit you. Huh. It, it it kind of trivialized has there there's really only like three boss encounters the the first one you're facing this thing one on one though it's after you fought like a swarm that has kind of worn you down and eaten through your resources uh the second and third boss battle is it's the same guy kind of at different points in his degradation uh the second time they kind of throw additional enemies at you to make it a little trickier but like the first one's just kind of again being if, if you can dodge effectively you kind of trivialize like the enemies can't really hurt you huh that's not very interactive it it, it well has dead space was kind of light on by bosses as well but they would be like big screen filling bosses uh that usually had like very specific abilities the character had you had to use to beat them like it was kind of more figuring out what to do whereas this it was just doing more of what you do to deal with the regular enemies right the one thing worked on all the bosses all the time yeah I, yeah basically and like i said like if you were dealing with a situation with it, like regular enemy encounters were kind of more stressful because they could swarm you and and kind of still kind of overwhelm you whereas if, if the one-on-one -on -one boss encounters it's you could focus and just dodge and counterattack when you got an opening now are these are the bosses zombies too or can 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 you cut their limbs off and turn them into flopping torsos um the the bosses aren't you, you kind of wear them down to where has like the things you're fighting in general have like really as opposed to being reanimated flesh they're just entities that have had their regenerative abilities like ramped up like you you can damage them but there's a thing that starts happening around the mid game where they can recover if you don't take them down fast enough, uh, which is really rough when you're facing a, you know, swarm kind of situation. And then a lot of the, there's an enemy that's really common in the mid game that it's blind and they're kind of sound reactive. Uh, and, and you're kind of encouraged to stealth kill them with with a shiv you've had since like the beginning of the game but if you get until if you end up going loud in one of those fights it draws all the you know every single one of them that's nearby <laughs> yeah there, there would be there was one situation where i i think like like i said part of the combo system with the melee is you can like quick fire a shot and just because it had been so hammered into me it 
that point to do that i did it once and then was immediately stormed by like five or six <laughs> of that enemy oops <laughs> yeah which i i i just barely survived that fight as i recall <laughs> But no, like the game definitely has its flaws, but I, I was kind of interested in where the story's going. It did, it kind of hurt me as as much as I wanted a spiritual successor of Dead Space. I didn't, you could tell that he really, Glenn Schofield, who was the creator of the original Dead Space and the creator of this, he, he maybe tried a little too hard to hit a lot of the same story beats at the same time that dead space did so like once you kind of got a sense of what was going on like the story was very predictable oh like and like right down to they kind of did a similar end of game jump scare that that dead space did so it is it suffering from too too much fan service to the original too much fan service and some of the new stuff they did, like that melee combat system, they didn't quite figure out how to challenge, you know, with the, the boss encounters. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a broken mechanic to me, right? A the, little the bit. I'll be thing. curious, as I know there's story DLC planned that's not coming out until like the summer. So I definitely want to see if they maybe kind of manage it a little better there. What is that I know now? they're also in February putting out a free patch with a new game plus mode, which so I can start over with all my my gear from the end game, which has there. So there's five guns in the game. Um, I never even has a lot of your equipment you get from like the shops are kind of like 3D printers. And I never even made two of the guns. Uh, I focused on the like initial three that I had uh, upgraded most of the way. Because like I said, you have these five weapons. The first three are kind of more powerful single shot kind of weapons. And then the like last two you get that I barely touched are like low damage, but rapid fire like automatic weapons good for the swarm maybe probably yeah. like i said i was so focused i wanted to build up the initial ones to be more powerful as opposed as there's like a I, not upgrade tree but like there's an upgrade system for the weapons and the last upgrade is usually a secondary fire that with two of those initial weapons is like exploding rounds which are incredibly useful <laughs> against the the kinds of enemies in the game what is the the part that comes out in the summer uh it's it's some kind of story dlc i don't think they've announced much about it yet nothing i could find yeah i know there's the story dlc i know there's free new game plus option coming in february and beyond that, I think there were some like different armors and whatnot that were going to be part of the both the free and the the pay DLC. Okay. And yeah, I actually don't know what the story DLC is going to be because the there there are two characters that are like significant uh, to the main campaign, uh, and realistically, the DLC could follow either of them. I think. But yeah, I genuinely don't know what it's going to be. And I'm kind of curious to know more about like what the shadowy organization is going to do from from the events of the first game, because they've supposedly gotten a lot of the information they need for their their plan, their protocol, as they call it. 
uh, <laughs> appropriately. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely like I said, it, it's one of those games where it kind of suffers from being like maybe wanting to be dead space a little too much, mm-hmm. but there's enough interesting there that I'd still like to see more of it. So it's got potential. Yeah, basically. And if they ever figure out how to come up with a boss that challenges that like melee and dodge mechanic system, like I'd also be interested in that, like see that expanded upon. Cool. So overall review, how many overall, how many game controllers out of five do you give it? I mean, out of five, I, I definitely, I would give it a solid three and a half. Um, Like I said, I really enjoyed it didn't quite live up to the dead space legacy like i wanted it to but you know would play again would be interested if they continue it to see what happens next okay and then did and, you... and one one tidbit i picked up along the way that i didn't know about apparently the original pitch for dead space was that it would be set in a prison and of course that's what they went and did for callisto protocol okay so it kind of makes me wonder, like, how much of this was going, like, back past, like, regressing past where Dead Space was to the uh, Glenn's original pitch for Dead Space. Yeah, recycling unused concepts. All right. Did you want to talk about High on Life? Yeah, no, I actually just finished that one up yesterday as well. Um, It's... It's Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty's fame, a game studio, Squanch Games. It's an <laughs> FPS. Squanch where... Games, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the core concept is, so there's an alien cartel that has figured out a way to basically smoke other sentient creatures has apparently it's an unbelievable psychedelic high and apparently they figure out humans are the best drug possible so oh, like no. beginning, beginning of the game is this alien cartel coming to earth taking over and the player character finds this gun that was on someone who who dies in the opening scene that you find out is it's a race of like biological sentient weapons that's been enslaved by this cartel. Uh, And he directs you towards this washed up bounty hunter who gives you some of his gear. And the, the game is basically a series of missions to as a bounty hunter, take out officers of this cartel until you can go after the big boss back on earth. And it and it's the Rick and Morty sense of humor, yeah. which it's quite the tone setter. Like, not that it matters, this is an FPS, and you never see your character's appearance other than when you pick it at the very beginning. But the way you pick it is your sister comes in and offers you uh, cocaine on her compact mirror, <laughs> and it's you picking your your character is reflected in the mirror in the compact mirror (laughs) underneath some lines of coke basically yes (laughs) exactly um and like i said that's quite the tone setter for tone setter for like the rest of the game um it's and it's definitely uh the game knew what it was it knew people could get tired of it of that sense of humor after a while so unless you get bogged down in 
getting all the collectibles uh it's actually a fairly short game uh there's eight bounties and you can do i think the longest one took me about an hour okay and that was spending time trying to go you know get whatever collectibles i had the means to get my first time through those areas this is like you could finish this game on a saturday yeah, yeah. Basically, a, a single, somewhat long session. Yeah, I just love that <laughs> aliens come to take over Earth to conquer humans for the purpose of smoking to the use, humans because they're, yes, to, they're to the use, best drug use, to use humans uh, for for their drug trade. <laughs> yeah, for rec- recreational drug use. <laughs> That's like, yeah, it's kind of like taking Douglas Adams to the next level. <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> and like all they actually put a setting in the options to tone down like the non-story combat chatter from both the enemies and the guns because especially at the higher um settings you hear a lot of repeat lines after a while yeah and like the the first gun you pick up is voiced by Royland, basically doing the Morty voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second gun you pick up is uh, JB Smooth. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the more pleasant ones to listen to. Repeat lines from. <laughs> Love him on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, he, he voices the weapon that is effectively your shotgun for the game. <laughs> Oh man. That's yeah, it. no, I, I, I do like JB Smoove a lot. Like I didn't know a ton about him until uh has I I I've seen Curb now, but I didn't really watch it at the time. Yeah, me too. Um, but he he was a regular on on Conan's show, Conan O'Brien's show, and he's also been on the podcast a couple of times now. And like I didn't realize he he had been a writer on SNL or anything of that nature. Yeah, but like yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, because I think a lot of that stuff on Curb is, you know, those actors are just improv improving their own lines. Like a, not a lot is scripted, so that that tells you something about. JB Smooth's sense well, of humor. Yeah. <laughs> my my favorite thing, I can't remember which recent guest it was, but Conan got to talking about JB Smooth with this person. Uh it was uh the he's the actor that plays Agent Wu on Ant Man, uh who who also did the show The Last Blockbuster. He had apparently worked with JB Smooth on it. Um, and apparently Conan was saying what JB Smoove was notorious for on SNL is in the meeting in like the first meeting with the star where you're kind of pitching stuff. He apparently would tell these elaborate stories about like putting together the sketch and like this this create a mythology around a sketch that he would never actually go on to write like what is there an example of that or they it's just apparently he would tell these elaborate stories building to what the sketch was going to be uh and then just not write the sketch at all oh (laughs) he just like like to hear himself talk (laughs) 
I, apparently whatever he was doing in those rooms would be like really entertaining for the other writers and for the guest but like whatever he was building to he would never actually whatever sketches he did write would have nothing to do with what he said in that room weird so presumably he came up with a lot of crazy funny good stuff that never made it to the, the show yeah yeah it seems like huh that's a that's a, an eccentric personality for you right there, huh? A little bit. It is definitely a very interesting energy when he's on Conan's podcast. Well, I'll have to check that out one of these days when I start listening to podcasts again. Because, <laughs> as you know, I, I no longer listen to podcasts now that I produce one. That that is that is completely fair. I I've cut back, but I. I still listen to a few, but primarily I end up listening to, um, like my big ones, the, the no sleep podcast, like narrative horror podcasts, mostly. Okay. And then like Conan, Conan O'Brien needs a friend is like my one non-narrative podcast. That's what it's called. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Yeah, it's the the original concept was that he's talked to all these celebrities, but like never in like a real long form way where he could get to know them. It's always just one liners. Yeah, or just kind of like having to go with the structure of like they're on his show to promote, promote something. And yeah. it's like a short, like, you know, five to seven minute right. interaction. Full of one liners. <laughs> usually if they if it goes well all right so um anyway back to high on humans what was it called high on life <laughs> high on life <laughs> what was your, and, what's your... And there's all there's a lot of little like background elements like the the bounty hunter former bounty hunter who's helping you out like sets up shop in your house which has been warped to an alien world uh, and is watching TV, and there's, it's almost like the interdimensional cable episodes of Rick and Morty. It's just yeah. like a lot of random bits that they produced solely to be on this TV in the house <laughs> when you happen to go in there. Wow. <laughs> And there's also, I haven't actually engaged with it at all yet. You find, there's actually a movie theater you can find uh, that you go in and it starts playing a movie and there's three guys in the front talking over what's playing. Um, I don't know where it's come it comes from, but yeah, there's just a whole movie in this game. Wow. Well, uh, let's see. How many um, final review, <clears throat> how many... Uh, lines of coke on a compact do you give it <laughs> <laughs> i i honestly would probably give it a four um it it's like i said the that that uh rick and morty the Royland humor can wear thin but you know the game keeps the length like just enough that like at least for me it didn't overstay its welcome Plus the uh, the the living weapons have a lot. Like all of them, kind of have multiple things they can do. There's like regular fire, alt fire, and they'll usually have like some extra thing that's tied to traversal. Like one of them can like shoot a disc at certain types of walls that you can use to climb further. One's 
generates a time bubble that like slows things down so you can like get through high speed fans and whatnot. It's that was a pretty interesting experience. I like that slowing down <laughs> slowing down time so you can crawl through the high speed fan. <laughs> like are you in, in ductwork? Are you walking around in some structural ductwork there? <laughs> uh, that there, there's a couple of segments where, like, yeah, you're going through these fairly small ducts that, yeah, just at intervals will have these high speed fans. Dieharding it, little bit. Which there's actually <laughs> there's an entire episode in the most recent season of Rick and Morty yeah. centered around Die Hard. Yep. <laughs> Diehard motherfucker, walkie talkie. I actually just like watched like almost the entire season. I think in like one and like one day, yeah. practically. I I rewatched it in one day last weekend. That's good. It was better than the season five. I think maybe. No, I I agree. It's it's it, it's hitting a point where like I I wonder how the. Sh- each new season's gonna like juggle like standalone episodes with like the overarching narrative they've slowly been putting together. Yeah. Now, how long is it gonna take him to, you know, track down and presumably defeat or whatever Rick Prime? And if so, yeah, then not, what happens after that? Yeah. Not, not, well, and now that we know what the overarching plot actually is, with you know, with some clarity, like how or do long we? is it going to yeah. take to do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but do we really? You know, <laughs> we think we do. <laughs> you know, does he does he eventually get put back with uh with Diane at some point? You know, what happens with that? Or is AI Diane, who's haunting him in his Walter White house? Like the the most we're gonna get out of that. Did you catch that? That his house is Walter White's house. I I <laughs> didn't catch it when I was watching it, but I remember reading about that later. Yeah. Well, anyway, does that about do it for today? Uh, that's all I had. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you for joining us on this last episode of 2022. Thanks for having me yet again. <laughs> Fu 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'll be i'll be glad to put uh this year in the rear view this is well this is the last episode that uh that will post in 2022 i still have one more to record in 2022 so yeah i'm i in. it's a schrodinger's last episode it isn't it isn't okay well now is the part of the show where you ask me where they can find us where can they find us they could find us at nerdburgershow.com at nerdburgershow on the twitters and email us nerdburgershow at protonmail.com Join us next week on the the aforementioned episode that is and both is and is not in 2022 when Michael is here to ring in the new year. The better year. Freaking better be better. <laughs> <laughs>